In my monograph, India's New Independent Cinema, Rise of the Hybrid, uh, the first book on the topic, I appraise the arrival of a distinctive new cohort of alternative films, a new wave of independent uh, Indian films. And now for me, these films were very distinctive from Bollywood, primarily on the level that they were engaging with intensely sociopolitical themes and issues on a very visceral and polemical level. So these films were, for me, a bona fide new genre that stood apart from Bollywood. Now, the reason these new indies, as they were called, um, are distinctively different from Bollywood is the fact that they're narrating state of the nation stories, uh, stories about dis disenfranchised and marginalized and oppressed uh, sections of society on the periphery of power. Now, uh, in the book, um, I research very um, meticulously aspects of production and distribution, how these films were espousing alternative narratives, and also the latter half of the book is dedicated to case studies of seminal indie films like Peeply Live, I Am, uh, Gandu, uh, Though Be Got, and a whole host of other films. Picking up the thread from uh, my monograph, I decided to broaden out the argument and be a bit more self-reflexive and self-critical about what this new wave or the emergence of the new wave of independent indies uh, actually uh, entails for academic scholarship and Indian cinema in general. So the forthcoming edited volume is a collection of essays from um, a multidisciplinary range of scholars from across the world. And uh, the edited volume is called Indian Cinema Beyond Bollywood, uh, The New Independent Cinema Revolution. Now, I use the word revolution very particularly in the sense that there's been a cinematic renaissance in Indian cinema. It's been a very silent revolution in that the new Indies have literally transformed the shape of Indian cinema, taking it away from this monolithic uh, Bollywood-centric image of Indian cinema uh, across the historiography of, of Indian cinema um, through time and space. So uh, the, the edited volume approaches the Indies from multiple uh, different perspectives, perspectives of gender and uh, identity and also uh, positioning the Indies in, in contemporary uh, times, the contemporary zeitgeist where the rise of religious nationalism at the behest of the uh, ruling B BJP uh, party is, is very much a clear and present issue. Uh, and the Indies oftentimes cut against the grain of this prevailing dominant structure. The Indies have been at the vanguard of the cinematic revolution that I mentioned. They've emerged around about the watershed year 2010. Uh, and ever since then, over the last decade, they've really transformed the face of Indian cinema. There have been seminal Indies like People Live, I Am, Harood, uh, Ship of Theseus, The Lunchbox, a whole plethora of different indie films emerging from the length, across the length and breadth of the nation. Now, these films are really cutting against the grain of the established order and the status quo in the sense that they're pushing the boundaries of representation. Uh, I can think of several indies that um, talk about very pertinent uh, socio-political issues, including caste uh, discrimination, LGBTQ uh, issues, uh, issues of patriarchy and gender-based violence. So there's a whole spectrum of topics that these films uh, deal with, essentially themes that Bollywood wouldn't touch with a barge pole. The new indies are a faraginous mix of the cinematic traditions of India. 
So they juxtapose a whole host of different genres, different styles, uh, including the post-colonial art house cinema of Satyajit Ray and Rithwik Ghatak and Rinal Sen, moving on to the middle and the parallel cinema movement of the 1970s and the 80s, the 90s Hinglish films, which were a concatenation of Hindi and English dialogue, uh, and these were very urban films. So kind of amalgamating all of these various forms of films, uh, the Indies have kind of emerged into this rather hybrid uh, mutant form of cinema with bits of Bollywood thrown in and, uh, and also bits of uh, world cinema. So it's a real hodgepodge, but it's a very kind of uh, radical shift in the, the, the hitherto linearity or the Bollywood dominated linearity of Indian cinema as it's been so far. In terms of some of the themes and issues, particularly feudalism and patriarchy, there are a whole host of films like Arms for a, a Blind Horse, directed by Gurvinder Singh, uh, a very ethereal uh, film that is kind of caught up in this uh, rural Punjabi landscape and deals with the marginalized lower caste Dalit uh, 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 members of society and these people occupy the fringes of uh, society divested from the centrality of power and the film grapples with this theme of uh, feudalism and how it is an all-pervasive force even in contemporary times in India. Uh, Peeply Live is a very different film but deals with this with similar issues about the inexorable kind of uh, onset of corporate neoliberalism in Indian society. The films are political satire, it's a hilarious kind of send up of Indian politics, political apathy towards this pandemic of farmer suicides in India. And it's one of the early seminal Indian uh, independent films from 2010. Uh, apart from that, there are uh, uh, films like Papilio Buddha from uh, the southern state of Kerala, directed by Jayan Sherian. Very controversial film because, again, it deals with the marginalized, oppressed Dalit community in the southern state of Kerala. The film was controversial because it was denied a certificate of release by the Indian uh, Censor Board, the Central uh, Board of Film Classification uh, Certification, the CBFC. So. Um, Jen Sherian went on to make another film called Car Bodyscapes, which deals with uh, alternative sexualities, the LGBTQ community and how they are uh, consistently brutalized and marginalized, ostracized in Indian society. So these are films that are, are at the helm of pushing the boundaries of representation through their very topical uh, and often controversial content. It's very important to remember that the current crop of young indie filmmakers are children of the digital age. So uh, they have emerged from India's globalization and hence they stand very distinctively apart from the earlier wave of parallel filmmakers, uh, parallel art house filmmakers in the 1970s and uh, the 80s who were seen as more uh, esoteric and niche and catering to uh, um, middle-class English-speaking intelligentsia, whereas the current indie filmmakers are assiduously invested in getting their films out there and being seen as as wide as uh, an audience as, as they possibly can. So they're also not averse to aligning with big corporate production houses like Foxstar Studios or Viacom or Reliance. And for me, that is the distinct divergence from the earlier forms of Indian art house cinema. These films are quite commercial in terms of wanting to do well at the box 
box office but i think the content is very indie in the sense of being you know as topical and polemical as i as i mentioned earlier so uh, that is one distinctive difference there's also been a democratization of access to filmmaking equipment so uh, up and coming filmmakers can now have access to digital cameras they can edit their films at home uh, a good example is the film gandu made by the on form terrible of indian cinema his name is q and he directed the controversial film gandu on a shoestring budget so that is case in point of how filmmakers now have access to filmmaking technology and hence there is a prodigious output of films in uh, independent films in India uh, the third point is um, with the entry of Netflix and Amazon Prime into the Indian market there's been a whole metamorphosis in terms of uh, production and distribution and access to indie films uh, uh, a lot of indie filmmakers are now making beeline to Netflix primarily because um, there has been the lack of an independent inf uh, film uh, distribution and production infrastructure and now netflix seems to have uh, addressed that gap the netflix is also uh, a way to circumvent the strictures of censorship so um, if you look at sacred games which is the first homegrown netflix series and is doing really well uh, that is case in point because it's directed by two independent filmmakers vikramaditya motwane and anurag kashyap who was known as the godfather of uh, indian indie filmmaking in the past and seems to have crossed over now into more mainstream activities so the notion of the global emerges from the fact that the indies have a very global world cinema aesthetic so in the films you can see the influence of filmmakers like Wong Kar Wai, Mohsen Makhmalbaf, uh, Ken Loach and Alfred Hitchcock but the stories are quintessentially local and Indian and uh, that I think is a distinctive aspect of the indies. I also refer to the indies as being hybrid mutants. Now the reason I uh, refer to them as hybrid mutants is because they contain in their DNA a mixture of all the various grand traditions of Indian cinema the post-colonial art house the middle and parallel cinema movement the English films bits of Bollywood thrown in and world cinema all in this big amalgamation this melange of cinema that has now emerged as new independent Indian cinema hence the term hybrid uh, I also position these Indies in a middle third space between India's dialectical twist between spiritualism and materialism tradition and modernity neoliberalism and rising religious fundamentalism so the indies occupy the strange in between hybrid third space and from this vantage point they're able to espouse these very critical interrogative and topical narratives and storylines the state of the nation stories that sets them very distinctively apart from mainstream bollywood I can think of a whole host of uh, independent Indian films that have collided with state censorship regulations on a, a variety of different uh, levels. One of the key films uh, that ran into controversy with uh, the Indian censor board was a film called Gandu, directed by the enfant terrible of Indian uh, cinema, a director called Q. And he, this film, uh, Gandu, by its very title, loosely translates to arsehole so hence it was uh, it, 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 it came under scrutiny for that very uh, reason in the first instance but also the themes in the film uh, the film is about a dis disenfranchised young teenager growing up in Kolkata he comes from a broken home and hence he turns to uh, drugs 
and this ends into this kind of spiral of uh, drug abuse. And he also harbors uh, this illusion of becoming a big rap star and uh, performing on stage with the British band, the Asian Dub Foundation. So it's a very visceral, avant-garde, experimental film. It's a postmodern rap musical, which uh, has not really, it's not really a theme that has been broached before in Indian uh, cinema. But the film also features full frontal nudity and uh, depictions of drug abuse and an expletive-ridden dialogue as well. And hence it was denied a certificate of release by uh, the Indian Censor Board. So that's a very good example of films that cut against the grain, that are very radical and uh, very subversive and transgressive, that films that are emerging from the indie space as opposed to Bollywood. Um, it's important to remember that the indies are a bastion of, of strong roles for women in filmmaking, which is very different from Bollywood, which happens to be um, quite patriarchal and male-dominated. Now, several of the indie films have strong roles for women, both behind and in front of the camera. Uh, examples include Parched, uh, uh, Waiting, uh, Angry Indian Goddesses, Sodata, and a whole host of other films. But the film that stands out is Lipstick Under My Burka. Now, this was a film that was again denied a certificate of release. It was banned in India by the Central Board of Film Certification. Uh, and the censorship system is quite absurd and, to be honest, quite quixotic because they consider, considered the film to be, in the words of the chairman, uh, too lady oriented. <laughs> and this was quite ridiculous because. Um, the filmmaker eventually took the film to the International Film Festival circuit and it did marvellously well. It was a huge success across the world in the International Film Festival circuit. And then eventually um, the censor board in India had to do a volt farce and then show the film, but with several cuts, which is the norm in India. So the Indies tend to be, bear the brunt of censorship when compared with Bollywood films primarily because the Indies deal with uh, political content. They kind of, you know, interrogate the status quo and the, the established order. Another good example is the film Unfreedom, a film that deals with a lesbian relationship under the miasma of rising religious fundamentalism. Now, this film was denied a certificate of release in India because of its uh, depiction of a same-sex relationship. Now, homosexuality in India is still outlawed under an archaic British uh, colonial law, Section 377, and that's still in force. So the Indies provide a real alternative space, a space of resistance to kind of express and represent themes, uh, including LGBTQ issues and issues that uh, confront patriarchy and gender-based violence. So they're an important space to uh, foster narratives of dissent, narratives of alterity, narratives of divergence, and hence they are an important uh, sector in, in the Indian cinema today.